Blog Talk Radio. Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and welcome back. It turned out to be a beautiful weekend here in the Northeast, despite what um, what Earl had projected for us. So Earl is actually welcome to visit any single time he wants, because it was gorgeous here. And, you know, we kick off Labor Day, and Labor Day is really the symbolic end of the school symbolic end of the summer and the beginning of the school year and it always kind of confused me as far as why the new year wasn't in tune with the school year because when you're young and you've been in school for I think I was in school for 20 plus years you know your years are the school years and that's how you remember things is by first grade by second grade so it just seemed to me and still kind of does seems a little bit confusing to have so many (laughs) different starting points for a new time and a new beginning. And we're going to continue our exploration this week into the world of education and school and what this process all means for parents as we've been, um, as we're going to be focusing on all month this, you know, September as we kick off and our parents and the parents are getting back into the rhythm of having their kids re-engage in the school year. And um, one of the things that that has, keeps coming up for me is just how vulnerable we all get as a state of, of parents. You know, I say in, um, you know, as our tagline for Mama's Pearls, which is really a family brand, that it's basically we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. And there's really nothing more beautiful than, than watching your child go off into the world and you're sending them out like these little pearls that that you see is so as so perfect but you know that you know if you stick them in a room somebody can find something wrong with them and so like every single pearl they might have even the most perfect pearl might still have a little bit of imperfection and you know that when you're sending your kid off to school and into another environment and outside your home that those imperfections are going to come out and not only are they going to come out they're probably going to be reported back to you and you're going to be called Called, called to the carpet, like there's there's no way to hide. If your kid's a brat and he's a brat in school, like you're going to get called out. So, um, you know, that's just like one of the vulnerabilities and I think insecurities that, that parents have that I want to dive into today. But before we go go into deep in the meat, um, I want to know if our co-hostess, Melissa, is on the line. Melissa, you on? I'm here. Hello, my dear. Okay, so um, welcome back. Happy start of school. And um, I, I wanted to kind of chat a little bit about last week. And I love the M's gems that you did for us last week on um, Ellen Galinsky, who was our special guest on the show last week, which was called Pea Brain, and the Pearl of the Week was called Happy Homework. And you really spent some time diving in and breaking down the seven essential life schools that she has in her in her book, Mind 
mind in the making, and I just wanted to see if you can pluck out a few of those few of those gems for us. Well, you know, it's funny because you know how I feel like I always it always comes full circle, and I'm already giving warning that this week one of the gems will be communication because um, it, uh, the book is fascinating in the sense that you know we're always trying to better ourselves as parents, and so like I said, in the, uh, I'm again I'm a, I'm a book junkie, but I do. You know me, type A personality. I'm always about, well, has it been proven or the science-based facts? So what's fascinating is to see that a lot of these theories come from years and years of research. And so it's always non-judgmental, and it says it's not, you know, sink or swim. But if you do apply some of these skills and make sure you encourage these skills with your children, there's only going to be an additional positive outcome. And so that's what I like. It's one of those, you don't have to do this, but if you do it, you're just going to do better at what you're doing, and you're already doing a lot of it. So um, making connections, I think, was huge. Um, it definitely gave me more incentive that when I am playing a board game with the kids, which I try to do it occasionally, um, that I could actually it's actually doing something positive. We're not just killing time and, and spending time together. You know, to me, I'm like, oh, I'm playing a board game with the kids. This is great. But um, making the connections and, and understanding that when they pick the cards to a board piece and they know how to make the movements, that's huge. So um, I think all the skills, if anyone, it's a great book to recommend to people. Um, right. I, right. I, like they, they understand the rules of the game. And what I really enjoyed about talking with Ellen, who has been in really in this space for so many years and is one of the great minds who are working behind the scenes to both talk to parents and educators about, you know, creating more well-rounded individuals so that it's not just all about drilling in learning and drilling in knowledge and facts and figures so these kids can spit it out later, but really helping to develop a well-rounded individual. And through her life skills, they're not just um, knowledge points, but they're really about, you know, essential, essential mechanisms that we need to basically take your kids and put them in any situation at any times, and they'll have their coping skills. So if anybody has missed last week's show, I really encourage you to go um, both on, online to read the blogs for last week as well as to listen to the show that we did with Ellen Galinsky because I think you, you will just be – it, you'll just be really armed with a with a deeper sense, and um, and like she said, that we do this in a guilt-free environment. So Ellen's website is mindinthemaking.org. The show last week was Pea Brain. You can find any of the archive shows of Mama's Pearls at www.blogtalkradio.com/mamaspearls. You can reach out to Melissa or I um, via email. I'm at Cynthia at mamaspearls.com. And Melissa is Melissa at mamaspearls.com. And we generally start our week and or end or monthly themes on Facebook and have an ongoing conversation throughout the week. And one of the things I found fascinating when I got into education was seeing was seeing the responses of um, of how people equate the possibility of does does being educated automatically mean that you're going to be successful? And is education the pathways to success? 
And I feel like education is such a core value, not only in our society, but when I was looking globally and just doing some more research about the statistics of where the United States stands um, in connection with other developing countries, we're not anywhere close to being the first as far as our adult literacy rates and all these um, all of these connections, which if we're going to make some connections and use the, that life skills, how they're used on a global scale of how we're looked at is basically if we have a well-educated society, which means that people have um, are, are literate and can read and write and do all these different functions, seemingly that means that we're going to excel in other areas in our gross domestic product and output will increase over time, and it keeps us competitive in a global market. Now, when we break that down to, say, like, my little four-year-old, that he's responsible for the ultimate dom- gross domestic product, you know, I just want him to go to school and get a good good education and make a life for himself and you know, and enjoy his life, um, it just seems like they're, like the pressures upon kids these days keeps rising as our collective aspirations keep rising as well as the, um, the, the standards and educational standards and curriculum. And one of the things I've been wondering that's been coming up when sending off my, my kids to school and getting back into the school mode because I don't think I'll ever think of and approach September without, like you were saying in your in your blog last week, Melissa, like without getting butterflies in your stomach. And part of part of what I've been wondering is like you can't redo your past, um, and parents can't redo their their own past. You know, like would I be better off if I would have studied harder for my SATs and scored better, and you know was placed in AP, and I didn't need you know extra help with reading comprehension and and all these things and would it make a difference in where I am in my life now? You know, I who's to say? I, I can't. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I, I don't know where if if things would be different for me, fate wise, or or whatever. If I'd be more of a producer in this world, or I'd be, you know, if I would be the Bill Gates. And you were mentioning something that was really interesting about what Gil, Bill Gates had had posted about his tips to to um, parents and. And kids going in through the school system today. So you want to you want to pick up a pick out a few of his. Are you on the road? <laughs> are you amusing and cruising today? I, I dialed. I pulled over and dialed in, and then I realized I'm parked under an L in like a block away from a hospital. Could I ask for any more um, noises? Uh, so there's uh, two trains and an ambulance just went by me. So I said, okay, I need to move. So I am relocating my uh, position because. I'm probably in the noisiest place of New York, Queens. Um, I love it. You, you are Melissa, our Mama's Pearls roving reporter. <laughs> but as, exactly, I am on the scene outside of school, watching these little kids in their adorable little uniforms leave the building. Um, but even before going into Bill Gates' comments, you know, my husband said the most fascinating thing. Right now, he does a lot of interviewing to hire, uh, you know, employees, and we were talking about. Um, what he looks for on a resume. And yeah, of course, the, the first thing you look at is the education and the standard of care. But one thing that always astounds and uh, amazes my husband is um, the, the sense of, um, uh, what's the word, people who have a goal and they see through it or people who are, um, take leadership roles. And so recently I was looking at a resume and I was like, oh, this isn't so great. And he's like, no, look at the bottom. And the girl was coach at her soccer team in college. And he's like, 
the fact that she was a co- uh, or a team team captain, sorry, uh, of her soccer team in college. He's like, that to me is impressive. I mean, they don't just hand off that job to anyone, you know, and then another person had a black belt in karate. He's like, that's someone who stood there and put a lot of time and motivation and dedication. He's like, someone who's dedicated dedicated to something that takes a long time to achieve to, he goes, that's, that's, forget about what college they went to. He goes, the fact that this kid has a black belt in karate, he spent many years working hard and, dedica- and, and, you know, he gave up a lot of play time in the park and stuff to do to get to that point. So um, I think just going into the whole education, you know, not saying they have to spend millions of dollars to make your kids have all these side activities, <laughs> um, but, right, you know, right. there are other, other ways. Your kid's not a mathematician or a scientist. That doesn't, you don't give up. You just try to find what they naturally love and and and. and adapt to and encourage it and, 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 you know, encourage them to stick to doing what they like to do. But Bill Gates had an interesting, just the approach of education or what, even like how there's no first and second place anymore. Like everyone gets a medal at the end of the soccer season. Like that's not how it works in the real world um, was one of the things I found. And also um, we were, I have to pull up my, my laptop and review this, but uh Pull, pull it up, get them fresh, because I want to bring on and introduce our special guest today and invite anybody who's listening if, and wants to join in the conversation, you can do so by calling into Mama's Pearls at 347-327-9450. And our special, our special guest today has been um, a personal guide of mine in sort of navigating the, the school system and helping helping me figure out what's going to be best for my child. And I think it's really important when you have people within your own school district who you can lean on and you can trust. And my first reaction to our special guest, whose name is Marlon Villalva, is that he's so paternal, and I just feel like he really is like everybody's father and really cares for the students who are under his umbrella and under his supervision, and that we are really all so lucky that when we do find a school administrator who will give us a helping hand and an honest look. And I really wanted to talk to him today, you know, one about just the general pressures, um, the general pressures on kids but also for him to kind of give us some tips and some guides of how as we as parents can can help them do their job best. You know, we said this before and we said this last week, and it's the same way with, with health care when we were talking on Dr. Doctor Mom, is that your, your child's education is a team effort, and there are so many people involved in the process. So when we have somebody like Marlon who's been, who's been in, this, in his profession for over and in his position for over 13 years, and his, his entire background has been about advancing, kind of like you were saying, black belt, and you know, advancing through the belt <laughs> to really gain, gain a stature and gain an understanding of what children need to succeed and how he can best serve um, best serve them from the administrative position and he's a curriculum associate for pupil personnel services and has been so for the past 13 years he supervises a professional staff um, for the personnel services in K through 12 he's also a 
is the chairperson of the Committee on Preschool Special Education, and he's basically involved in planning interdisciplinary projects to integrate special education and support services into the regular education curriculum. So I'm very happy to welcome, to welcome Marlon and to introduce you to the Mama's Pearls community. Marlon, are you with us? Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm I'm really curious to to hear both a, a little bit more about your background and why you would step into the educational system just first because it seems like everyone's running away from it screaming and um, <laughs> and you know because it's such a thankless profession you know but it's so vital and you're such a vital component to everybody's family. And then to hear a little bit more about what you see, particularly as the challenges that you face on the school side, as well as that that our students face today. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, first of all, this is my 17th year in, in, in my school district. I work in Port Washington. But in addition to that, I've been doing this job, or I believe the job of an educator, for a little over 30 years. So I consider myself someone who's been in the field um, I worked in 12 different uh, schools and or districts uh, in my career, and I've done everything from teaching elementary school through teaching adult education and supervising programs, both uh, preschool through uh, adult education. So I consider myself very fortunate to have had enough background to form some opinions, I guess, uh, that are very personal but are only based on nothing more than experience, personal experience, as someone who sees children coming into our schools from as young as two and a half years of age and trying to come up with programs and services that are, in my opinion, the appropriate services for these children with the goal of making them as successful as possible and making sure that once they come into kindergarten, which is when reality hits, uh, to make sure that they can integrate into a school environment and be able to not, not just navigate, but be able to navigate and succeed in that school environment, which is a very different world than what we as parents provide for our children. So it's it's quite a task. It's challenging, but I, I love it. And I do think it's, I think it's a very rewarding um, profession because the one thing that I cannot get from anywhere else is to have a parent who come to me uh, 10, 12 years after I've chaired a meeting for their child and say, by the way, you know, I want you to know that he's going to college or that she's, you know, she's graduating or that she's graduating her, uh, you know, her bachelor's degree. And it's just very gratifying to hear that from parents. I feel like I had some minor contribution in that success, and I take that with me as, uh, I guess, my own intrinsic reward for what I do. And I think it's so crucial. And last week we were really starting um, starting the conversation at the at the very beginning. And Ellen really focuses her work on um, on babies and kind of pre-K. And I mean, and there are tools that you can take all the way through. But I really wanted to talk at the start. And now working with you and kind of a little bit further into the preschool as well as the the K through 12 aspect. And one thing that you said, which I feel and been, been noticing even the distinctions are even more severe, is kind of really the different frameworks and environments that our kids have to navigate. And one, like you said, our home environment is very different than the school environment. And the school environment, I see, is also very different than the work environment. 
So, you know, we see putting kids through school as kind of a gateway to their future selves, which, I, you know, is really their working adult selves, but they're very distinct. And the curriculum that we form and the skills that, that the schools are focused on, on teaching and developing in, in our kids is very, you know, it's essential, but it's also very different. So how do we kind of grapple, I guess, to you know, support those different environments? Sure. Well, first of all, I think that uh, as parents, uh, one of the biggest dangers, and as we become more educated and we have more access to information, one of the biggest dangers is that we tend to go on the Internet and find uh, multiple, multiple resources for parents, for teachers, for uh, everyone. There's always something written for everyone on the Internet. And one of the pitfalls is that sometimes we tend to latch onto something that sounds like what we like and we tend to buy into it and we take that information and we go to the schools and say, this is what I want for my child. And it's really based on a, a formed opinion of what you read or what you heard from people that that you liked or respected what they said. And the clash, if you will, comes in or, the, or that dissonance comes in when what you're bringing to the table to a school, to a classroom, to a teacher is something that may not necessarily be in that teacher's or that school's uh, understanding of how children should learn. And a lot of times, I think, in the danger of becoming more educated, if you will, and by educated in a global sense, I mean just knowing more information, is that we tend to believe at times that because we are educated, because we have good skills, that we are that there's something out there that the teachers don't know. And I always tell parents there are two realities in life. One is nobody will love your child the way you do. However, the teachers want your child to be as successful as they can because that is their goal. And that may be just as just a, just as a, a a major factor in how they teach children. Um, then you may actually uh, understand because the goal of a teacher is to make that child uh, a good learner, uh, a proficient learner, and someone who's going to become an independent, motivated, successful adult. So it starts very early on, but I think that everything that we do at home before our children go to school, and it's usually defined by kindergarten, seems to be the marker of when we actually as parents let go and put our children in somebody else's hands to be educated and raised. Whatever happens before the child goes into that school has basically formed that child's uh, opinions, beliefs, and somehow shaped their behaviors. And many times, if we have exposed the children to opportunities that are similar to what happens in a school environment, which is really a different world, they have a better chance of adapting and functioning and succeeding in that environment. But there are times when for whatever reasons, whether we are professionals and we don't have the time to be at home and sometimes we rely on others to, to raise our children for part of the day, children sometimes don't necessarily have what is considered to be uh, a functional or an appropriate way of functioning in a classroom setting with others. If there are a, uh, a child who never had enough play dates, they never had to share, never had to take turns, never had to uh, be kind and asking to join or to partake in something, they're going to have a tough time coming into school. So much of what happens to our children when they come into kindergarten, if you will, is what we've done at home. And I love the fact that your program is geared to this topic because I think it's probably the most important area of of child education that you could address, which is preparing your child to uh, 
coming into school and being part of a different social group with different social norms, with a different climate, a different culture, and to be able to be part of, depending on where you live, of course, of a group of, of very different learners with their very different styles and very different behaviors. And when you talked before about, you know, what makes successful adults, there are so many theories out there from psychologists. Uh, you know, you can look at multiple intelligences, uh, which is Howard Gardner. I mean, he has a whole book about it. Uh, or Daniel Goleman, who can talk about emotional intelligence. And many of these professionals will tell you that, you know, these are the key elements and these are the, the essential parts that a child must have. I, I firmly believe, based on my experience, and it's just my opinion alone, I believe that when we can teach our children to understand, to appreciate, to respect, and to share with others, and you, and you teach those basic skills to them, they can pretty much function wherever you place them. So the key, I think, it's more of us as parents to give them that education prior to going to school, teach them how to share, teach them how to respect, teach them how to listen, and teach them how to ask for things in a way that it's positive, that it's emotionally sensible, that it's a, a, a good way, a good effective way of, of getting what they need. Because ultimately, and um, I love the book, uh, it's called Successful Intelligence, that's uh, Dr. Robert Sternberg. One of the key uh, points in his book was that if an individual learns how to communicate and understand others, that that individual can be successful. Whether the education piece is there or not, it almost becomes secondary. The fact that they're able to speak with people, work with people, share with people, and even know how to disagree with people in a way that is respectful and still get their point across and still get what they need, they will be successful. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated uh, issue that I think it's been uh, highlighted and written by, by many, many different individuals with a lot more uh, research and experience than I have. But I think ultimately the bottom line is we have to make our children to be a little more resilient, to be able to know how to ask for things, to know how to ask for help, to know who to go to for that help, and to be able to let you know how they feel about things. Because that emotional development, which is key to any individual, comes a little late. It usually comes by the time they're kindergarten. Sometimes it takes a little longer, and some children take a little longer to develop that than others. So we as parents need to be very aware and very keen in knowing our children, knowing when things are okay, knowing when they're not, and being able to get them to talk about these issues. What is it that bothers them? What is it that worries them? What is it that they enjoy? And what is it that we as parents see as traits or uh, behaviors that we need to somehow work on to minimize and make them more acceptable and more uh, productive in school? So it's it's a it's it's a very lengthy topic that I'm sure um, you're researching. You'll find that there's just thousands and thousands of resources and, and researches that talk about this. Um, yeah. Can I can I can I stir the pot a little bit, Cynthia? Sure. <laughs> Go for it, honey. I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm frowning. I full heartedly agree, but this there's a couple of things that you said that made me um, 
want to see what your perspective is. I think sometimes parents do this justice because you were saying how you got to get kids to learn to communicate and ask for things. But I constantly see parents doing the asking and making the decisions for their kids and thinking that their kids can't make these decisions or thinking they know what's better. And one example is the first day of school, you always have parents that are not happy with the with the class placement, you know. And, and I feel like these schools don't throw the cards up in the air and just put, put kids, especially kindergarten, where there's a lot going into it. But they don't just place kids in random classes. Most often they try to match the kids' personalities or what they know about kids with the right teacher. But yet sometimes you have these parents that come in and want their kids to be with another friend of theirs, and they think they know better than the system. So I think to stir the pot a little bit is we're trying to get from the educational perspective how we can or, or help moms better take a step back. And although we're very protective and we want the best for our children, sometimes it gets in the way of knowing that the school knows what's best for our children, and it may not feel so good, but it's actually the right decision. I think that, you know, that emotionality is such a, a major uh, factor in how we as parents react or, um, I guess more than anything, react to what happens to our children and where they're placed and who their teacher will be. What many parents don't know is that when we look at children and want to place them for kindergarten, there's a committee that gets together, at least in the district where I work. There's a committee that actually takes the information that they know about every single child and they look at the teacher's teaching style, the teacher's uh, uh, characteristics that make them an effective teacher, and they they do their best to match as best as they can that child's learning needs with that child's teaching needs or teaching style. And in addition to that, if there are children who happen to be friends from preschool and the parent, because a lot of what we do, we do because of our own emotional need, not necessarily children's needs, by the way. Uh, when the parent says, you know, I want Miss So-and-so, I really don't like Miss So-and-so because I heard she's very harsh. Or I, I heard that she doesn't teach uh, writing until, like, you know, the middle of the year. Or they'll, they'll have some perceptions that are formed on what they heard or, 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 or something else. That, that okay, emotional like, takes like over parent, rational like thought. You know, I like I think your that, parent accent. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> that emotionality, I think that emotionality takes over sometimes just the rational thought and the fact that when you place a child in a school in kindergarten, you're placing the child in the hands of somebody who's educated. Somebody who has, for most often, usually a master's degree in education. This is somebody who's going to college and really learn as much as they can about how to teach children. And I think sometimes we need to step back. And I always tell parents, when you have an electrician come to your house to change a lamp, are you after them making sure that they are doing things the way that you think they should be doing them, or do you let them do it because that is their field? Well, this is what a teacher does. A teacher educates. A teacher... Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think sometimes we as parents need to, I guess, identify the fact that they do know what they're doing especially someone who's been in the field for a while. I mean, you get a sense of who they are by speaking with them. And and one of the key elements to knowing uh, about how much teachers know is you, you you can ask them, what do you know about my child if the child has already been in there for a couple of weeks? You know, let them tell you. You'll be amazed at what they know. Um, and uh, I think it's a matter of trust and establishing and developing that trust, but it does take a little while. But it does happen. It does happen. Eventually it happens. Do you feel that uh, – oh, go ahead, Cynthia. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. There, there's, I just wanted to take a pause because there's so much here to take in of what Marlon's saying. 
And while on one hand, like, I'm still feeling very vulnerable and I'm feeling like the gray hair is, like, sprouting as we speak about, like, am I properly preparing him? What I like about the terminology, him or both my kids, what I like about the terminology about what you're saying, which I'm actually a little bit surprised about because you're not speaking from from the mode of knowledge and it's about what your kid knows and, um, you know, his number and the, the, the content, you're really talking about the child's emotion. And I love how you say um, emotional sensibilities. And managing those emotions and understanding feelings, you know, that's, I mean, that's something that I, that I personally master in just from, you know, being a Scorpio and I work on a feeling level. But it's just, it's something that, that I think helps me put into perspective as a parent of where my main focus with my child should be and managing it and when, you know, and learning like the different ways to deal with my son or my or my daughter when they have hissy fits and when they lie themselves down on the floor to get them out of that state because that's not appropriate in the school environment but really managing what emotional responses are are going to be ex- accepted and will which will help them kind of deal and i think if you're you're basically saying if they have their emotional um temperament that is that is more level that they'll be more receptive to having their communication and to being willing to communicate and to being being able to receive knowledge and to be able to um have the tolerance for other children <laughs> and also right. to engage in 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 interactive play so it's it's actually really um really just heartening and and helpful for me to hear that language being played is that that's what what you're really looking at is where where's the emotional development of a child and can they handle the curriculum part and for me that's just wonderful in terms of seeing in seeing what the perspective is for for success but i think just tying back what melissa was saying you know early and what also what bill bill gates was saying is that you know keeping kids always on an emotional high isn't realistic always saying you know good job good this good that and all with positive reinforcement isn't necessarily always realistic so you know there's going to be some negative times that we we go through with our children and that teachers have to deal with and you know, you know, once once in a child's life, they're going to be sent to a principal's office. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, it'll be to receive some award or something. <laughs> hopefully, but you know, other you know, things things happen, and um, and it, it's just a matter a matter of how you're dealing with it, and and I think what you're what you're both saying is building the trust factor with your school and um and with the environment that your that your children are going into is so so key and again we're hearing the warning from from a professional about not to believe everything that you read on on the internet and while you know absolutely parents do your research talk to other parents, see what works, but then bring it back to the table so we can make the decisions by committee. From what I'm gathering and from my experience with you and working um, and working within the school systems, that everything really is laid out on the table and that people are working in your favor, that the teachers and everyone is not out to get you, that everybody really is working in tandem. And I think parents 
often miss that because our emotions get jaded, but then there are some times where you do really need to speak speak up as a parent. So, you know, it's this it's this it's this balance and it's this relationship that we're that we're constantly working on and that will evolve from kindergarten upwards with you and and the school system. Definitely. You know, one of the things that you said before when you spoke about, uh, I guess, globally about education and where we stand as a country compared to this the world, it, um, about 15 years ago or so, I attended a conference uh, on education. It was a nationwide conference, and they had brought back research from throughout the world, worldwide research on education. And it was very disheartening to hear that we as a nation are, I believe we were fifth or sixth in, in the world as far as uh education, uh, knowledge of education, because what we found is that throughout the country, because of the way our education system is structured, um, we have the broadest uh, exposure to learning, but not the deepest, meaning that, you know, if you take a, a math curriculum for a child who's gone through kindergarten through 12th grade, and you compare that child from New York to a child in, let's say, California or Nevada or any other country in, in, in any other state in the country, you'll find that there are some such major discrepancies in what each of those children know about a particular topic. Uh, and within that topic, how deep do they really know that topic? And what we found is that we're very shallow, if you will, in our knowledge base compared to other countries. And that was very disheartening. I mean, as, as an educator, that was uh, it was an eye-opener. And I said, oh, boy, you know, we have we have a lot of work to do. And I think that uh, as we move on in the future, I think some of those changes will happen so that we have a more common type of curriculum. Um, and But that's, that's a long time coming, and it's a very political uh, issue that needs to be discussed further down the road. But I think oh, in general, yeah, we, are not, we, are not, we are not as, as educated as we think we are in comparison to the rest of the world, which is a very humbling um, the concept, if you think about it. We're, we're not as smart as we think we are. No. We're, um, not. we're not all that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, you, you said a couple of things right there that, that ran really deep for me was, you know, one, yes, the whole educational system, there's this whole host of politics behind it about the creation of the Department of, Edu of Education, which is um, which is basically a, a party line supported thing. And I and I don't want to necessarily focus on on the politics. Maybe in November with term elections, we can get into a little bit more. But that's I don't necessarily. I mean, I think parents need to be aware of those issues yeah. and yeah. and do their research around what they think works best for them and their family. And Melissa and I have kind of baffled ball all the time on political issues, but one thing that I think you, that you said was interesting because it's kind of how I see my, myself and what I liked about going to law school and what I liked about the, the educational system was that, like, I find that I know a little about a lot of things. So I definitely feel like I'm a product of our educational system in that, um, you know, the things that I really know, like my entertainment law and all this kind of stuff, like I, I, I know that in and out, but everything else I kind of know a little of. And what I liked about law school is that I, I know just enough to know what I don't know in the sense of if an issue comes up or I'm talking about something, I know enough that I need to do more research and get more educated on the topic. But, yeah, and I can have a top-level conversation Almost about everything. Just like my 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 depth of knowledge with with language is that I can basically have like the first level of conversation. But then if you talk back to me, you know, I I, I won't know what you're saying. 
the reason why I had mentioned, like football in me. Yeah, right. The yeah. reason why I had mentioned the, the, the education piece is because one of the things that I see, and um, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to learn about a few thousand children in my years of doing this, is that I, I will hear comments from parents of three-year-olds who say, well, you know, one of my concerns is that he that 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 he's not reading, uh, he doesn't know his letters yet. Or a four-year-old who say, well, he can't write his name yet. Or a five-year-old who say, well, you know, he can't read. I mean, he, he reads, but it's very hard for him. And I, I always turn it back and I say, do you feel that that's his immediate need? Is that his, his foremost need? Is, is, does your child need to know how to read before they go to kindergarten? And some parents truly believe that. And this is coming from parents who are well-educated, uh, middle, upper-middle-class parents uh, who are professionals. But for some reason, somewhere along the line, the thought or the concept that their child needs to know or needs to be ahead of everybody else by the time they get to kindergarten I think sort of creates a platform from which you're going to have issues later on for that child. You know, that child will never be uh, a good enough reader, will never be a good enough uh, uh, mathematician, will never be a good enough scientist because it's just not happening fast enough. So there's an expectation sometimes from parents that a child's learning curve should be uh, much higher and much shorter than than what we provide in schools. And I always tell parents, you know, the one thing that your child needs to know how to do when it comes to kindergarten is they need to know how to listen, they need to know how to follow instructions, and they need to know how to share and be with others. And those are the things that sometimes we don't spend enough time on or maybe we don't value as much as learning their letters. I mean, I, I, on TV you'll see these ads, you know, your child can learn at six months of age how to read. And I sit back and I'm saying, why would you want a, a year old to read? I mean, do you really believe that that's the purpose of a, of a year old? Is, is that what you believe, that that's going to be the most valuable skill for your child? And I think well, sometimes we lose sight of it. Well, I think it's also a um, kind of a give and take. And I talk about talk about this with my mom all the time. Um, my mom, who's a social worker and a therapist, and we always talk about child development. It's like, do you take one over the other? Like, you know, we see that the early, early, really early years is for the imagination to grow and for that creative play and to just get acclimated to the world. And when you pile down so much knowledge, are you cramp? Are you stomping out like those other skills? And, you know, and yet each parent is going to pluck out what's more important for their child to develop. And one of the things that that I see about what you're saying is, and one of my fears is that I'll learn like in hindsight, like when he gets to kindergarten, I'll be like, oh, great, that's what I needed to do for the last five years of his life. (laughs) You know, that that I'm missing setting the fundamentals of my kids' lives now um, and preparing them for, for kindergarten. Like, you know, and this is something I wrestle with with every day. What else can I be doing? What else should I be doing? You know, or should I just back off and, and let him be and provide him the hugs and the coddling in his home environment, which I know Melissa Bill Gates doesn't like. Um, <laughs> oh, I think, you know, obviously parenting is emotional, and a lot of what we do and how we feel about our kids is so emotional and not always clear, a little bit, you know, it's a more egocentric perspective, and it may not be that clear. You know, it's not that we need our kids to read by five, but when you see that, like, there's three kids at whatever, a play group. I'll give an example. There was a little boy, and, again, I'm probably the most 
I encourage people just like kids. I want my kids to know how to sit in a circle, line up on a line, and, you know, use the bathroom. I don't need them reading at four years old. So we had a play date over, and I gave them crayons and a paper. And this little boy literally drew, like, a robot, wrote his name, last name, wrote the name of the robot. And I was like, oh, my God. It's emotional to see a kid the same age as your child to be, quote, unquote, advanced. And so... Fortunately, I, I, I kid around with the other parent who I'm friendly with. We make fun that that's a smart kid. <laughs> not that we're making fun, but, like, we, we, we help each We can totally tell them, be like, okay, so it's not me. And, like, okay, so it's only one smart kid, and our kids are, right, drawing endless dots across the page and writing backwards ends. It's fine. We're okay with it. Um, well, that kid is just my kid, reader, But right? my kid doesn't call me, you know, I, I mean, that's the thing. It's an emotional, it, it's balancing the emotional and, and, and having a grounded belief on what you know what's right for your kid that your kid doesn't need to read by four years old and you know it's okay um and to just embrace what they're doing what what they do excel at or, or you know that they can line up in a line or they do they respond when the lights flicker to pay attention like that to me is an important social skill for them to do well in school in the forwarded years you should know that uh, you know some of the some of the research that's out there uh, there was a study for students who went to xavier uh, high school, and uh, all these children, of course, were considered to be gifted children. It attracted them 20 years down the road after they left uh, high school, and they wanted to know, like, what what became of them? What became of these little geniuses that came out of, you know, Xavier and some of the other top schools, uh, you know, in the nation? And what they found is that they did not go into fields that you would think uh, were the fields to go into, such as science research and, you know, discover cures for cancer or, or something that's really, truly meaningful work. Uh, given the fact that these uh, students had all these gifts. They went into fields that were, I think, less glamorous, such as teaching, <laughs> many of them, and, and professions that you would not necessarily um, relate to a student who's graduating with, you know, 140 IQ from a top school in the country. So, and I think a lot of that has to do with sometimes we as parents tend to direct our children or sort of, not force, but I think God indirects our children towards particular areas where we feel is important. And, you know, parenting is a uh, trial and error. I think parenting is we, we tend to do most of what we learn as children from our parents we tend to do with our children which may be a good thing or not, I don't know. But that's all that's all we know. And and unfortunately our children don't come with little handbooks, you know, on how to how to teach them the right things in the right way. It's more of a, a trial type of experience. But I think for the most part what I see is I see a lot of parents who are so well meaning and so directed and so emotional about wanting their children to be successful to the point that they will do things for the children rather than teaching the children how to do it for themselves. And this is what you said before, that sometimes we, we speak for them. We don't let them speak. And what that does is really creates this dependency on parents that is not necessarily um, uh, essential for them because you'll find in nature that if you put children together and you put them in a playgroup, you'll start identifying, like, which one is the one that likes to take charge, which one is the one that likes to follow, which one is the one that's good with his or her hands and which one is the one that's good with speaking or arguing or defending. So you'll find that there are so many just natural traits that we are born with that is not necessarily learned but just inherent in your, in your being. And I think the goal as parents is sometimes identify what those strengths are and capitalize on those strengths in some way or in another. 
and the teachers are your resources on teaching you and helping you how to do that because that's what they do. That's what they do for a living. They know how to capitalize on children's strengths, and that's what parents should get from teachers. They're a great, they're a great resource, and I think sometimes we don't, we don't use them enough. We don't access them enough. They have a lot of knowledge. Right. I think um, no, there's, so much, there's just so much that, that we're talking about, and I mean, we're, we're coming up even to the, the close of the hour here, and it's just, again, just scratching the surface. And um, one of the things that, that, I mean, obviously I keep harping on that I keep going back to is the um, knowing a little about a lot, and it's like, are, are we then moving into creating the nations of know-it-alls if we really know it all? <laughs> and all the, and, you know, and, and have, but I understand in terms of, Taking our education one step deeper, so you know, I feel like we're we're in a system that just requires us to almost regurgitate out knowledge in terms of just testing and and doing and doing, rather than really looking and seeing how our children are integrating the knowledge and curriculum that we're putting forth. So. I do think that, that there's, there's a long way to go, and I should mention that, um, you know, all that we're saying about creating little geniuses is why this week's, this week's um, topic is called Little Einsteins, and the pearl is, a pearl of the week is a mind at play. And when, when we're really, what you're really saying is that it's not just mind that we're working and growing and curriculating, curriculating, <laughs> creating curriculum for is, I'm making up my new, my new, my new dictionary here, is, um, is, but it's really your, your child's being, that we're working from all of it, that, that the collective education of your children is not just the curriculum, not what just they spit out. It's not what, what they wind up doing for a living that matters. It's really who they are, how are they developing as a person, how are they feeling about what they are doing. And time and time again, when we talk to professionals and bring and talk to the guests on our show, it comes back to, like, step away from your children and let them bloom. They have their own agendas for being here and for being born and what their paths are going to be. And the best that we can do as parents um, is to guide them but based from their vantage point. And I think that is so hard for parents to do, I mean, we put so much expectations and pressures upon ourselves and on our children for them to be, you know, whatever. And I think what Melissa was saying about, you know, looking over in the playground and seeing Johnny and Susie and Timmy all doing one thing, your child may be doing something completely different. And to, for us to kind of trust that, that that's okay for your children, I think is really, really hard for a lot of parents. I'm sure. Um, especially when you bring it back to the social circle and you say, hey, well, this is what, you know, my kid's doing. And my kid is still into lightsabers, <laughs> which he is and probably will be forever. <laughs> I, think um, the most, I think the most important thing you can do as your children go into school is let that teacher know as much as you can about your child. Let them know as much as you know about your child, because yeah, that would help them. The problem was, I mean, for me, I'll just give them all my past mama's problems. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to know about my child, I will tell you how much time you have. <laughs> like, I have no problem talking about my kids. <laughs> but um, so maybe we should talk a little bit about filters. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the most important, you know, parts of the child that your teachers need to know about? I'm sorry? 
what's, like, what's the most helpful information that a teacher can know from a parent about their child? I, I think to let the teacher know whether they are followers or whether they like to take charge and how do they, how do they react to change. Because sometimes um, there are children who, are, who love or enjoy certain activities and not others. And I think uh, teachers should know that, particularly when they're little. You know, there are little guys who like to get their hands dirty with clay, with sand, uh, with dirt, and others who don't want to touch it. And I think it's important for the teachers to know that, just to avoid situations where they're asked to do something that goes against their, 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 their grain, that goes against their nature, because we can't force that. I mean, if they're not ready for it, we don't, we don't need to push children to do something that they don't enjoy or like or are good at. Um, but only you would know that before the child comes into the classroom. Teachers don't know that. Let them know if there are any things that they really are, are dislike. Um, or, you know, there's some children who don't like to be uh, close to other children who need their space. There are others who like to be right next close to other children. There are children who love to sit on the floor. There are others who like to flop on the floor. All those things are important. Let them know how do they function in, at home. What are the things that they enjoy? What are they good at? Uh, what do they struggle with? Let the teachers know that. That's really helpful. Melissa, was there something that you wanted to tap into from earlier? Um, no, I was reviewing it. I think the course we took with the conversation today, you know, if anything we want to do is we want to, we want to help teachers. We want to, you know, be out there in the space and talk about the relationship between teachers and parents, and I think that's where we went. So I, if, I, if there's one takeaway or advice, it's definitely make sure you head out to Open Schoolhouse this year and meet your teachers and get to know the teachers because, um, and trust them. You know, I think um, this is where we kind of went with this conversation and it's essential. You know, this is, it's a huge thing back to school. It's an emotional thing for both kids, but more, more or less parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, the principal yesterday was saying how she saw a mom at the bus stop waving goodbye to the bus and then like the bus had already turned the corner and the mom was still waving. <laughs> like, when is she still standing there why waving goodbye to the, the bus that just took off? And she was smiling, what? so that's a good sign. Um, One of my assessments for uh, incoming kindergarten children, I always ask the moms, I said, will you follow the bus? And you'd be surprised how many of them say yes. And that gives me a gauge of where they are in their emotionality and, and being able to let go. It's hard. It's very hard. But I guess it's just part of growing up for both children and parents. Yeah, it's it's really hard as a parent. You know, and this morning I'm, I'm waking up. Today was my son's first day of school, and I go in, and I'm all excited, and we've been talking to him all day, you know, yesterday about today. And I'm like, okay, honey, wake up, first day of school. And the first thing he goes to me is, mommy, go away. I'm tired. <laughs> success. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's really? success, Cynthia. Great job. <laughs> that's the first day of school. And, you know, and, like, I, I know I've told, I've told you, this, you this before, but I'm glad that you're actually kind of reinforcing it, or at least I'll make the connection and string that strand of pearl together, that, um, you know, I see my role and parents' role, like, I will keep my kids delicious for you and, and happy and just delicious and yummy babies, but, you know, and the rest, the rest is up to you. <laughs> we'll do the rest. Yeah, thank you. So um, I wanted to thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing with us. Before I did um, do a, do a sign-off, I did want to ask you our weekly customary questions or come tell mama questions. Okay. So, yeah, friends. 
Okay. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. It's not a test. <laughs> okay. So come tell Mama. So um, you spend your days worrying about the welfare of everybody else's children. So what do you do for yourself, and what do you consider your luxury indulgence? My, I'm sorry, I didn't get the last part. What do I consider what my? Your, what is your luxury indulgence? My luxury indulgence, uh, being on the beach with a book, uh, and having a couple of hours just to sit and read without phone calls, without appointments, without anything else. That's awesome. That's my luxury. Um, okay. What do you consider your most favorite movie genre? Comedy, my, romance, horror? Comedy. When it comes to food, do you prefer sweet or salty? Salty. What do you consider your most beautiful feature? My most beautiful feature? Mm -hmm. Huh. I think my mind. Mind is a terrible thing to waste, right? Yes, it is. (laughs) And while you're doling out advice all day, what is the best advice that your mama gave to you? Be nice. That's what my mother always told me. Be nice. And I believe in it. Because it comes back. Yeah, and it's what you're saying that we have to teach our, our children in terms of being respectful and emotionally sensible as being being nice. Yes. So I, I love that. And thank you so much again. Um have a wonderful school year. Thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> thank you, Melissa. A pleasure. Sending you a bag of apples, teacher. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you both. Right, have Thank a great so day. Much, you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Oh, Melissa? Melissa, you still on? No. She's off. Okay. So I have learned so much on this show today. And honestly, like, I, I came into the start of the show, and I never know the journey of where we're going to go on Mama's Pearls. I just know that what we're tapping into is you know hits a lot of core issues that that I'm feeling and and thinking about and expressing. He just kind of settled my stomach and settled my nerves about school and setting my kids up and you know if I'm doing the right thing or whatever and it's just it's just so helpful to know that there are people out there and that the school system is really working in your favor and with you. So I hope that, that this was a helpful show for you, too. I, I know that the back-to-school time brings up so many emotions for children and and parents, particularly parents, and that, um, you know, this month, like I said on Mama's Pearls, we're really working to kind of pick apart, like, the dis- different aspects of of the educational system and our roles in it. And, you know, again, last week we were talking with Ellen Galinsky about her book, Mind of the Mating, to really see what what other ways and contracts we can set up with our kids. Today's show is with Marlon, which is wonderful, and I hope helps everybody's emotions <laughs> feel better and, you know, raise some sensibilities there. And for the next couple of weeks and to close out September, 
we're going to be talking to somebody who's homeschooled our kids and see what that experience is like, as well as um, as well as somebody who has really worked with a special needs child and and to see what that experience is is like. Is, you know, so many parents is probably more more than more than norm now to have a special needs child, so we're going to be focusing on that. Again, you can listen to any of the past archives and, or re-listen to this one at blogtalkradio.com slash mamaspearls. You can find this week's blog at um, Little Einstein's at www.mamaspearls.com and MGMs will be up on Friday. Again, please reach out to Melissa and I, we really do appreciate and learn a lot from, from our audience and, um, and our Facebook community. So you can find us on Facebook at Mama's Pearls or I'm at Cynthia Littman. And you can email us at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com or Melissa at MamasPearls.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at SinTweet. And again, this is Cynthia of Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children and your family, say I love you. Remember that with going back to school, your child may not necessarily be the ultimate little Einstein genius of the curriculum, but they are your genius. They are your creation. And enjoy them. Have a great week, everyone. And to the kids, enjoy your school.
Yeah, they are. God damn it. You just said I'm going to fight your people. 